Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and I am streaming live from my podcast studio at my house. And I am super excited to have Sean Casey back on our show today. Um, he is going to be discussing the importance of gut health in athletes. Um, you know, as athletes before, during, and after our athletic performance, it's important that we absorb nutrients and um, micro and mac- macronutrients, um, and we're going to discuss a little bit about that. And 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 remember that just because you might not consider yourself an athlete, um, all of us are meant to, to eat like athletes. Um, you know, we're, we're designed to be active, and so eating like an athlete is very important, whether you think you're an athlete or not. So, Sean, welcome back to our show. Hey, well, it's great to be on again. Thank you so much for having me. Um, gut health is so important on so many levels, and I like how you really mentioned whether you're an athlete or not, the stuff applies to everyone. Good gut health equals good body health, so important yeah, area I mean, to focus on. Right. It's, it's, it's where all of our nutrients are absorbed, whether it be you know micronutrients like vitamins and minerals and electrolytes or you know macronutrients like carbohydrates and fats and, and um, proteins. Um, so if our gut is not healthy, we can't um, perform optimally. And that that means even if we don't think we're an athlete or even if we're, we don't even exercise regularly, we still need good gut health to absorb those nutrients so we can perform our day-to-day duties. You were no, just, you, you, you you hit just, the nail on the head. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. I was actually um, doing consultant work with some people yesterday and they were asking about, you know, supplements, this and that. And uh, in terms of importance of things, and uh, I was kind of giving them, hey, here's my top five. And they were actually surprised when I listed like vitamins and minerals is actually my second most important. And gut health was number one. They're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Like, I'm like, no, I'm like, actually, it does make sense because if your body isn't able to absorb those nutrients, it's like trying to throw, you know, kick a soccer ball at a cement wall and expecting the person on the other side to be able to receive it. Right, right. I mean, and that's why I tell patients too is that, you know, um, although vitamin D is very important and, and um, you know, essential fatty acids and omega 3s and a multivitamin, multimineral, if you can't absorb that because you don't have good gut health, then it, it's almost worthless. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, not almost worthless, but you got to, it, it's a process to get your gut health better, um, you know, so you can't absorb those nutrients. No. Absolutely. Right there with you on that. So tell us a little bit about the importance of, of gut health in an athlete. What, what if, give us some, and give us some examples. So when it comes to gut health and athletes, uh, two things always pop in my mind and, and I should kind of preface this. I think gut health is one of the most underappreciated things for athletes. You know, everyone thinks about like the blood, sweat and tears of training, performance, et cetera. Where, you know, and I think everyone can see like the physical exertion. Everyone can see like the emotional exertion. I mean, watching the Olympics, you have people, you know, crying. So, you know, all that's there, but no one really thinks about the gut implications of training and the stresses put on the gut. And so when I'm looking at gut health, I always think of two different things. Um, one is the ability to absorb nutrients, which we touched on. So as you know, as a competitive uh, uh, bike racer yourself, trying to fuel yourself during competition is really challenging. How do you work around there? Given the nutrition beforehand, during, and afterwards. And the other thing that's uh, gaining more attention, which I is uh, underappreciated by a lot of people, but just how physical stress um, 
puts uh, is hard on your gut lining and can lead to developing things like leaky gut, which is basically a fancy way of saying, you know, different uh, endotoxins, different inflammatory cytokines and kind of travel from your gut lining into your general circulation where it can wreck havoc and cause a lot of inflammation, chronic disease type issues. Yeah. And, and, and remember our gut is not, not just made to absorb the good nutrients, but it's also made to protect us from the bad things. Like you just said, endotoxins and, and some of the things that can cause inflammation. Um, So, you know, bad things, it kills the bad things and makes sure we don't absorb them. And then, you know, it gets the good things into our system. So that's why it's so important to have um, good gut health. No, absolutely. Um, on everything. And I think, you know, the, the one thing that I always think about, and this goes for anyone throughout the day, whether you're an athlete or non-athlete, is being able to absorb those essential nutrients. Um, I think when I'm working with athletes, so let's say if I'm working with a competitive athlete who's doing an endurance event, is being able to find ways to get that nutrition during event. You know, when you're built, burning through a thousand calories during during that competition, it's important to be able to pull those in. Um, finding it easy carbohydrates can be a nice uh, source of nutrition. One thing that we've talked about a lot in previous conversations is even hydration and the electrolyte component. And so here's something that's really fascinating. It affects both performance, whether concentration during the day for just general everyday living from athletics or you know performance or even the gut health performance is the hydration factor. Um, that's one thing we know if you're low in um, hydration electrolytes, it's going to be tr- harder to focus, you're going to have more headaches. Your performance from a fitness standpoint is going to suffer during the event. But it's also been shown if you're dehydrated, it'll actually speed up uh, the breakdown of the gut lining and cause a leaky gut, which is fascinating. And it only takes a 1.5% body weight loss before these symptoms start, which, you know, if you're on, if you're exercising on a hot day, even if you're not exercising, just gardening, mowing the lawn, it's easy to lose that amount of water. Basically what's happening when you're moving a lot in hot weather, the blood that would normally go to your gut lining is now getting shunted off to your skin layer to help get rid of body heat, your muscles to help hydrate them. And so that's one of the cool things and reinforces the importance of hydrating yourself during any physical activity, whether running, riding a bike, mowing the lawn, gardening, things of that nature. So how much hydration? What I always recommend to people is um, my general rule of thumb that I tell everyone is I want people drinking enough uh, water such that they have to go to the bathroom every hour and a half to two hours. If you're going more than two hours during the day without you know going to the bathroom, you're probably, probably already starting to dip on the wrong side of things. And then the other uh, thing that I'm always looking at too is if I'm working with like, uh, you know, someone who's losing a lot of weight, uh, water weight because they're outside, I like to kind of measure body weight pre and post competition. And that way we can see how much you lose during a given event. Uh, and at that point, what I'm then looking at is per pound of body weight you lose during the event, you want to be drinking roughly one pint of water to recoup that over the course of the day. And once you kind of know what those numbers are, you can kind of plan ahead to gauge how much hydration you should be drinking during that physical activity event. And what about electrolytes? Electrolytes, I think, are critical. 
Uh, I always tell people, if you're not putting electrolytes in your water, that's like putting gasoline in your car that doesn't have any petroleum in it. <laughs> you're going to be making the electrical circuit, circuitry that's running the body. <laughs> so what is, as far as, do you have a formula that you give your patients to add electrolytes? Do you, yeah. are there some electrolytes you, you like them to use? The one that I really like using um, as re with respect to electrolytes is uh, what's called Element. It's uh, If you look it up, it's called LMNT. Mm -hmm. I like that for a couple different reasons. Um, one, that it, it does a lot of third-party testing on it to make sure label accuracy. Um, if someone's a competitive athlete, they test it for banned substances. So you don't have to worry about you know it triggering something if you're doing a blood test. The other thing that I actually really love about it, and I think this is where most electrolytes miss the boat, is there is a lot of sodium in it. Yes, one gram. It, one, one gram. gram of sodium per serving, which sounds like you're a fan of it as well. Yes. And, and that's what I see is like I, so many people are concerned, oh, sodium, blood pressure, et cetera, et cetera, where almost all these companies are just putting like what I call fairy dusting amounts of sodium into it. I'm like, we need high doses of sodium. <laughs> like if we're going to town on there, how about yourself? What do you find works well? Yeah, I, I like Element. Um, I'm not really picky when it comes to um, electrolytes. I just use something, and I and I probably maybe am over trusting of of maybe some of those companies. Whether it be Noon, I use Noon a lot. Oh, that's convenient. nice. One. Yep. Um, you know, almost every bike shop has them. Um, Hammer Hammer Nutrition makes good electrolyte tabs. Um, I'm not really picky. Sometimes, you know, when you're at an event and you know there's an aid station with electrolytes you have to use what they have. Yeah. Um, so I think that's also another, um, you know, another reason to um, try multiple things and see what your body reacts to. Mm -hmm. um, because some some people, athletes, they can't tolerate certain brands of electrolytes and it'll give them diarrhea. Mm -hmm. And so you have to know that because you don't want to, that to happen in the middle of a, in the middle of an event. I've got a pretty, good tolerance to any kind of electrolyte. And um, so I myself usually have noon and element um, uh, hanging around. Um, but, you know, that's not always available um, in, in the middle of a, uh, of an event. No. And, and I really like uh, um, how you mentioned it, because that is really true. Yeah. I work with what's there and I should disclose for anyone listening, I'm not, uh, I don't have any financial affiliations with elements. So when I'm recommending things, it's just because of what works or what an experience, but you hit it on something nice is everyone's going to tolerate things differently. One of the things I recommend to every athlete who I'm working with. And again, when I say athlete, that's just fitness oriented individual or somebody who likes to be active outside is if you're having a competition, Try a variety of things in the practices and yep. the training sessions leading up to it. Because one of the things I see happen really often is uh, all of a sudden they're on like a race day. They try something they've never really done before. And all of a sudden, like you said, they have that diarrhea reaction. Maybe they all of a sudden they get really dry mouth, which is already exacerbating something that's going to you know happen when you have those endurance events if you're not hydrating. So I really like how you brought that in. I'm 100% right there with you on it. Yeah, don't try new things on race day. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think it's important too when you're speaking of hydration electrolytes to let people know that you can overhydrate if you don't and and cause problems if you yeah. don't use electrolytes. Um, it's 
in in, tri- in Ironman triathlons, it is more common for people to overhydrate. Um, so they drink water at every aid station just because it's there. They might not even be thirsty, but they just do it because they know they're going to be depleted throughout the rest of the day. And next thing you know, they deplete their electrolytes and um, they can start having cardiac problems. Mm-hmm. So that's why electrolytes are so important. And one of the things about electrolytes is our bodies are pretty good or really good with our gut saying, you know, hey, that's too much. And then you get diarrhea. Now, that's not always the case. Some people are more sensitive than others at that. But um, it's pretty hard to get too much electrolytes through your gut because you would have uh, definitely um, gastrointestinal problems um, no. because you couldn't absorb enough. No, it's it's, it's a, um, a nice little um, barrier, protective barrier um, on there too. And the other thing that kind of just popped my mind too, I think is worth touching on is Working as a dietitian, uh, especially on the sports side, or people who are really into leave, living the healthy lifestyle, when it's hot weather, I actually find one of the things that happens almost all the time is these pe- individuals who are eating really clean diets, all of a sudden their performance goes down, they get headaches, things of that nature. And I often have to remind them, like, hey, you know, if m- maybe you're not eating, uh, drinking a lot of electrolytes, whatever, but I'm like, just add a little bit of salt to your food. Yeah. Because if you're eating a really clean diet, there's not much salt naturally in, a, you know, head of broccoli with eggs and with, you know, whatever the whole food source is. So that's one of the things I always remind people is like, hey, it's probably going to help the taste of your food, which is nice. Yeah. And B, it's going to help replenish some of those electrolytes that you're um, losing at a higher rate now that it's warm outside. Yeah, liberally salt your food, um, you know, before events and even after events to help recover for sure. And maybe just all the time. I mean, yeah, you know, salt is such a bad rap, but you and I know that it's not salt that causes, you know, causes, no. you know, problems. No, well, that's the thing. Cause I always think of, you know, the 80, 20 rule, right? What's actually going to have the biggest bang for its buck on health and wellness and all these different things. And even within that 80, 20 rule, that 20 probably has another 80, 20 built within it. So what is the most, you know, efficacious and I remember when I originally was looking at, okay, if you have these individuals, assuming that they don't have some sort of genetic anomaly, they pull all the salt, salt out their diet, like the actual change in blood pressure, again, assuming they don't have genetics you know, there, but for the average person, it's pretty minuscule in terms of how much it actually affects blood pressure um, in that regards. I actually find there's a lot more bigger hammers that have far greater effect on blood pressure change than pulling every last bit of salt out of your diet. And like you were saying earlier, that's actually a very critical nutrient for health and wellness. Yeah. So what would you say is more important if, if somebody has hypertension, what, what nutrients should they be pulling out or worried about? You know, what I'm actually putting more emphasis on, I think we live in a society. And I think this is one of the things that's hard with a lot of dietary plans. Everything is based on taken out, taken out, don't eat this, don't eat that, blah, you know, those things. My whole approach is, Hey, think about your fist as a serving of fruits or vegetables. Let's try to get at least six servings of those a day. Wait, what? I can eat more food and I don't have to pull anything out? Yeah, just just focus on that for the first few weeks. Let's see how things go. And all of a sudden you're getting more of those micronutrients that, you know, the potassiums, all these other ones that, you know, influence health and wellness. All of a sudden you have less inflammation. If you have less inflammation in the body, everything works better. So I actually find in terms of hammers, that is really important. Um, let's do, you know, some basic stress management stuff. So 
So I focus more on adding things in, which and if we're adding, you know, uh, say six servings of fruits or vegetables a day, the size of your fist at a baseline or even eight to 10, which is even better. You're so filled up on with all the fiber, the likelihood of that you're eating foods that are a right. super high salt to start with super satiety, super processed naturally goes down. So that's usually the approach that I take. Um, when I'm working with someone again, if somebody, Hey, we, we do take some salt out, we find it greatly depletes our um, blood pressure. We can, Oh, is it just, but I usually put my focus on adding things in first, seeing how someone responds and then taking things out based off, you know, how they progress. That's a great idea. Instead of limiting somebody with something, add good things. And then there's just no room for bad things. (laughs) It's it's always like that cup that you're pouring more things into. Like, Hey, if I'm, if I have a cup of soda and I'm continuously pouring something into it at first, you know, it's going to mix then it's going to be diluted in favor of whatever the healthy thing is. And if I'm continuously pouring things into it within a few minutes, within, you know, 10 seconds, there's not going to be any soda in the cup to start with because you're adding so much into it. That's a That's a great analogy. So as far as um, athletes and gut health and during events, longer events, let's talk whether it's a, it's a long swim meet or, you know, there's a, um, a wrestling match where you're going to wrestling meet where you're going to wrestle multiple times during the day. What would you suggest or an endurance event like a triathlon or, or a, a bike race? Um, what would you suggest for fueling when it comes to, um, you know, pre during and post events? Yep. Um, great question. So the, the uh, what I think is critical um, is that pre uh, portion of the competition. And so when I say pre, let's say if you're doing a triathlon on a Saturday, um, I know, you know, they just had the mad, I'm, I live in Wisconsin. So they just had the mad, the Wisconsin triathlon in Madison over the weekend. So I was really, you know, dialed in with there, but what I'm always telling people that I work with is we got to make sure that we're eating really well. Let's say you have that Saturday event. We're eating extremely well that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, like that buildup period to it. Yeah. For yourself, as I'm sure you can relate to this, is if you're trying to feel your – if you're behind the eight ball when that gun goes off for your competition, it's impossible to try to catch up during the event. Or when I'm working with swimmers who are um, say they're having five races during a day or a wrestling meet where you have multiple things. If you're already undernourished going into it, you know, good, good luck trying to catch up. So that's what I want to emphasize first is we got to make sure that we're eating, um, eating, you know, healthy, enough carbohydrates, enough dietary fats, et cetera, in that buildup period. Then what I'm usually looking for during event is, one, uh, adding, um, you know, electrolytes into whatever you're drinking. Um, sometimes I find it easier to get electrolytes via a water solution as opposed to the food base just because how it settles. Um, and then carbohydrates, uh, especially if you're on a more of a higher intensity thing, that's going to be a primary source of energy. Um, there's some athletes who do a little bit more of like a ketogenic approach, which is definitely uh, an option. I usually find carbohydrates will work best, especially in that, the more high intensity events, um, on there. Uh, some people do really well, just having almost like, um, a, a low fiber. It can even be like a white bread, like low fiber. I'm not really looking for much fiber or anything, but they're just putting jelly on it. So they're getting that type of a substance. 
Again, I, I always tell people you got to realize eating for performance during competition is very different than eating for just general health during the day. I would never recommend to someone, hey, take plain white bread, put a lot of jelly on it and eat it. Or, hey, take a, bo- a ball of rice, put jelly on it. But for competitions, you just need that source of there. And that makes it a bit easier to kind of monitor carbohydrate during it. So those are things. Um, also, too, some people do really well with like the, the squeeze carbohydrate gel solutions yeah. during event. And so those are kind of my pre and post, which for during competition are critical. And then after a race, I am just focused on making sure we're getting enough protein to um, support muscle recovery. Again, the carbohydrates, the fat, uh, trying to get that in as close as possible to a competition. So that's kind of a rough layout of how I usually structure things. What have you found even just your own competition works well for you personally? Well, I'm basically, you know, a lot of what you're saying. So first of all, make sure you're well hydrated before the event, well hydrated and well fueled. Um, you know, but, you know, you know, you kind of mentioned something about solid food. Um, you know, I, I try to make sure I'm, I don't really have any solid food at least a couple hours before the event starts. And I'm talking about events that are, you know, um, four and a half, five hours plus. Um, I think for, and, and maybe let's just say two and a half hours plus, because like you say, it's, it's intensity and it's also um, um, duration. So, you know, if we fuel our bodies right, even at intense exercise, we have an hour and a half of glycogen in our yeah. stores, you know, which is enough. If you burn a thousand calories an hour, you, you have enough glycogen for about an hour and a half. So, if your race is one and a half to two hours, you're not going to have to need a lot of fuel, you know, fuel beforehand, maybe hit some carbohydrate gel um, right before the, the race. And, you know, of course have water and electrolytes, but you probably not going to need a lot of fuel. Now, if you know ahead of time that the race is going to be, you know, five hours long, then you're going to have to start fueling, you know, before your carbohydrate, before your glycogen is depleted. So you don't start fueling, an hour and a half in, you start fueling 15, 20, even 30 minutes in. Now, you know, you try to have a plan to to fuel every 15 minutes or, or whatever. Now, as you can imagine, like in a lot of things that happens, you know, when, you know, you're in a race, you can have that plan, but that plan typically just gets <laughs> thrown away, usually after a couple hours, because of, you know, situations, you lose a water bottle, like I lost a water bottle, um, so then I was going to have to plan to stop at an aid station to get water, um, you know, or you just, there was, you know, timing was bad because you couldn't eat where you were at. And then you missed a couple, a couple 15 minute, you know, um, shots of, of carbohydrate or whatever. Um, and then just, you know, so you fuel completely around it or during the event before and during the event. And I, I'm a big believer in carbohydrates, um, you know, I, I know there's people that that do ketogenic with these longer endurance events. And, I, you know, you, you kind of already mentioned about that, you know, the food that we eat during these performances, is it, it's junk food. Yeah. I mean, I eat Swedish fish and, and drink, you know, carbohydrate, basically sh- pure sugar, sugar water with electrolytes in it. You know, um, it's junk food. It's something I wouldn't eat. 
outside of the event, but you're doing whatever you can to get through the event. And what what I find kind of I don't know um, the, these these keto people that want to you know do it keto. I, I think it's first of all very difficult at, at intenser. You know when you're getting into you know lactic acid threshold and VO two max. I think it's very difficult to to be to be keto um, and, and perform as well. And, and here's my question about that: If keto works so well, and I believe me, I've got everybody under the sun telling me that I need to go keto. <laughs> and some people that have never even done a long event before. Mm-hmm. But here's what I would say: It's like, what are the top athletes doing? And as you know, the top athletes in triathlons and you know longer bike rides they are fueling with carbohydrates period. Yeah. So, you know, um, I, I think that's probably the, you know, the model we should follow. Um, and what, what really kind of astounds me with the keto people is they kind of go keto because they want to be healthier. And then they tell me what they eat during these events. And it's like, they're eating this fake keto food. Yeah. I mean, you know, these keto bars or, or whatever. And it's like, I, I, why don't just eat carbs? It's both junk food. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, so, and then afterwards, I do try to eat some salt or the Swedish fish would be solid food, but I do eat, try to eat some kind of RX bar or cliff bar that has some protein, just one or two of them max during the event. Um, just because solid food is not only harder, harder to digest, um, but um, especially it's, it's also, as you get dehydrated, it's harder to just chew solid food. Um, so, um, I'm very careful about not using a lot of solid food. And even afterwards, there's times where for two hours afterwards, I really don't feel like solid food. So, you know, I have some kind of recovery drink that has a protein slash, you know, carbohydrate mixture in it. Um, and you know that that's how I recover. It's, and it's important for people to understand that you know you don't 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 worry about you know the junk you're eating during the event. Do what you can to get to the event. Mm-hmm. No, and you you touched on a, f- a few good things and kind of um, piggyback and bouncing off there is the carbohydrates. Uh, as it mentioned, if you're going more intense, like that's what your body is going to be burning for energy. And so you always think about, and they always talk about marathon runners who are bonking. Well, basically for those who aren't familiar, bonking refers like you just hit a wall and you crash. And that's once they run out of those carbohydrate supplies. Um, and so I really like their mentioned there, uh, the food aspect. And the one reason why I actually do a little bit more with food as opposed to, uh, I shouldn't say as opposed to, but in terms of getting carbohydrates is let's say if you're doing something in a really cold environment, like much colder than what you're expecting. So maybe you're not hydrating at the same rate. Yeah. That's where, if you have that food, like I said, I love jelly on whatever, um, because like I said, like there is important. Um, the other thing that kind of popped my mind is I think something that's going to be bigger. There hasn't been a whole lot of published research on this yet, but the idea of, um, even like using uh, ketone salts, I think, during competition is going to be neat afterwards and then to reinforce what uh the hydration afterwards i find smoothies work really good um post-workout just for the reason that you mentioned if you don't have an appetite one you're able to get your carbohydrates protein in it and equally important if i'm drinking a smoothie i'm automatically helping that rehydration process yeah and, and that's one of the things is those 
you know, those um, those things are developed to, to make it easy to, uh, you know, um, tolerate them and get your, get your calories and your, your macros in. Maybe not so much fat, but um, – and I mean, there's sometimes, you know, when you're so depleted and so wiped out – you, you don't you don't feel like eating or drinking anything but you know you have to so mm-hmm. that's why it's important to to um you know use some of those sources of you know of fake food which are you know recovery drinks which are you know powders and carbohydrates and proteins in there i, I prefer scratch recovery um there's a lot of companies that make good ones hammer makes a good one too hammer mm-hmm. recovery um but that's the first thing i do after i finish the race even if i just don't feel like eating or drinking anything is I drink that recovery drink just so I get it in my system so your body can start to recover. No, absolutely. And the one thing I want to touch on too is as we uh, refers to feeling for your performance is understanding how intense the duration of performance is as it relates to say um, your Gatorades or any of these carbohydrate solutions. And it, it pops in my mind because right now, it's getting towards the end of the baseball season. But one thing I always think about is how many kids playing little league are running around drinking bottle after bottle of Gatorade or something of that nature while playing a sport like baseball, where you're moving. Let's be honest. If you're, unless you're a catcher or pitcher, if you're an outfielder, if you play an entire nine inning game, you might be moving a total of one minute, you know, during the day. Well, and so things like that, you don't need a whole lot of carbs. No. Besides walking out to the field and back, <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously. Yeah. And, and I do think, and I'm glad you brought that up because I do think, you know, we're talking about fueling before and after or before, during and after these events. But I do think for the majority of people, Sean, this is honest to gosh truth, especially for the ones that are very weight conscious. They're not as performance conscious as they are weight conscious. Um, and I, I would I would argue to say that's most Americans that work out. They work out because they are um, weight conscious. They want to work out to look good and feel good, not not to perform. And if that's the case, for most people that exercise, they don't need extra fuel before, during, or after. And I'll even say it with this. I'll even say it with CrossFitters. Um, Now, maybe at the top level, CrossFitters, they, they, they might need some extra fuel, but think about it. The, their longest events is 45 minutes. Yeah. They're, they're not going to burn through their, through their glycogen stores. So, you know, make sure you're well hydrated always, um, yeah. you know, and, and just eat clean throughout the week. But, you know, I, I see these people that, well, I, you know, I do a pre-workout and, you know, and then I do a, a you know, I, I, I eat something during the workout and then after the workout. And, and they're obviously not as lean as they should be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're eating probably three to 500 calories pre, during, and post-workout just of, of, of those recovery drinks and stuff yeah. or pre, pre-workout pre drinks. And you know what? During their workout, they might burn 500 calories in an hour. Yeah. So they, they just don't need extra calories. No, it's, it, it's kind of like the whole idea of um, – what else is – feeling for, for your performance while keeping in perspective a big uh, picture and – um, just some analogy uh, just kind of came to me on the fly is computer. If let's say I'm a computer programmer, I need to have a pretty in-depth understanding, workable knowledge, invest a lot of time into computer skills or whatever. Me as an everyday Joe, I do not need to put in a hundred hours of prep work to turn on my computer, jump on right. whatever I'm jumping on and doing it. 
So what I need for my job is significantly different than what a computer programmer needs for his job. Um, and I think that's kind of the way with the fitness and with athletes is for somebody who's doing this on a professional level or a highly competitive amateur level, what they need to perform well is significantly different than what the average person needs to perform right. well. Kind of like me as someone who uses a computer versus an actual computer programmer. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good analogy. So um, as we wrap this podcast up, Sean, um, if you had to say what the most important thing of of um, fueling or hydration for an athlete, what what would you how would you sum that up in two sentences? Uh, I make sure you're drinking a pound or uh, not drink a pound of water. That'd be a whole lot of water. Um, I would say if I had to put <laughs> two very easy bullet points. Um, drink enough hydration with el- enough electrolytes such that you have to go to the bathroom every hour and a half to two hours. That's that'd be the first bullet point. Second bullet point uh, would be is don't test anything out on a competition day. Test it leading up to that competition. Yeah, th- th- those are both really, really good bullet points. So if anybody has any questions, Sean, what's the, as we wrap this podcast up, what's the best way to get hold of you? Uh, best way to get a hold of me, people can always uh, go to caseperformance.com. I work with uh, everyone from people who are just looking to be healthier in life, competitive athletes, busy executives. Um, that's a great way to get a hold of me. The other easy way is on Facebook. I'm really active on Facebook trying to p- um, post different things about health and wellness, uh, different things that are c- catching my attention. I'm usually really quick in back on messages from there. So those would be the be- best two routes uh, to get a hold of me. Awesome. So as always, it's a pleasure to have you on, Sean. We'll we'll definitely have you on again to talk about another subject that uh, we can learn a lot from you. Um, our goal is to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. And I think you've helped us realize that goal. So thank you so much, Sean. Hey, well, thank you so much for Sean for having me on. It's been a pleasure. And I look forward to the next time. Awesome. Thank you. And Thursday, tune into our regularly scheduled podcast. We have Dr. Wilson on. He is natural cardiac doctor, and we are going to be talking about statins um, because cardiologists and statins um, go hand in hand, but not with him. And we're going to be talking about mountain biking because he's a mountain biker also. So you don't want to miss out our regularly scheduled podcast, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Thursday, um, Pacific Standard Time. Thank you for tuning in to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you, Sean. Thank you.